graduates. Yes, give it up for the graduates. Uh, I know that that's, that's a really long video, uh, but that's something to be excited about uh, as we have lots of kids and lots of graduates. Uh, you probably didn't know this, but I'm also a recruitment officer for all of it. Um, so. Uh, no, I've actually never been there. So we just have a lot of kids going to all of it. So I'm sure it's a great school. Um, but anyway, uh, my name is Kevin Boyle. I'm the next gen pastor here at Great Oaks and super excited uh, to be up here with the graduates. And so I love the, the grad uh, slideshow. I love seeing the transformation that happens, right? You see the adult picture or the current picture, and then you see the baby picture. And some of them you're like, that's a spitting image. Like, yes, that makes sense. And then some of them, you know, you just see this giant transformation. But um, we're reminded in scripture that the young are arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. And so I love that imagery. I love the illustration of an arrow. And as I've read different things, and I'm actually reading a book on it right now, but it talks about that arrows, their purpose is to go, right? And so an arrow doesn't really fulfill its purpose until it goes. And so, the, and it has a target, it has a purpose. And with that, the same, I think, with um, our kids. And as hard as that is for parents, right, our job is to train them up, equip them, but then to let them go and to see where God has for them. And as you see in that slideshow, uh, you know, some of them are staying here, they're going to Bradley, they're going to ICC, and some of them are going to other parts of the country or even uh, to a different, uh, they're going to a different country. And so, but seeing what God has, right, that God has a plan for them, that he has given them different gifts and talents and abilities, and he has things for them to do. And so I love that illustration of an arrow. And so I have a prayer that we're going to pray over them. It's a little longer, um, but I love the words. And I love this prayer as it um, just talks about and uses this imagery of, of an arrow. And so if you'll pray with me, we're going to pray over them as uh, they're going to be going different ways. Some of them are going off to college. Some of them are graduating from college. But they're going to something, the next chapter, somewhere that God has for them. So... Um, in Psalm 127, we are told that the young are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. The Old Testament records the story of an ancient king who was summoned by a prophet to shoot an arrow. He did so, and that arrow was called the arrow of the Lord's victory. Before us today are arrows of your victory. These are young men and women who have formed and gifted for such an hour as this. For, the, for though these are the days like the prophet Isaiah described, days of uncertainty, when thick darkness covers the people, we also know that they are days of incredible opportunity. May each one of these men and women fly like an arrow of truth to a society often muddled with right and wrong. Fly like an arrow of compassion to the unloved and unwanted. Fly like an arrow of light pointing to a day when the Lord Jesus will reign over the earth. I pray that they would know the hope of their calling and like Timothy, stir up the gift within them. When they are tempted to lose heart in the course of things, they would know that they are indeed arrows of your victory, that they, would not, that, that they are not consigned to a random existence, but called to be your mouthpiece, penetrating a distracted and weary world with the wonder of your wisdom, called to be an extension of your hand of grace to the many they will touch and who have never known what grace feels like, called to run in the shoes of peace, bearing the good news that Jesus has made a way for people to know God, Grant them the gift of faith, a faith that will illuminate every season of hardship and darkness. Grant them a love of your word, a heart for prayer, a song of praise, and a sensitive ear to your spirit, that they will encounter many, many crossroads in life, not just crossroads of career, but much more importantly, crossroads of character. 
times when they'll have to decide whether or not to take the path that most glorifies you, even if it means being less successful or lesser known in the eyes of others. In these days of easily discarded relationships, help each of them to know what it means to be a faithful friend, husband, wife, father, or mother. In these days that seem so frantic, help each of them to know your peace, which passes all understanding. In these days when they most surely navigate through a sea of change and even crisis, help them forge anchors of wisdom out of every disappointment and then give them a heart to pass that wisdom on to their children. And may they never lack in passion for you. Grant them a spirit that pursues you above all else. We know that is not about making our mark in the, at the end of the day, but pressing on to your mark, that prize for which Paul himself strained, the moment when the master says, well done and forever, we will have of knowing you face to face. Lord, we lift these graduates up to you today, and, that, and we thank you for all that you have done in them and will do in their lives. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it up for the graduates one last time. You want to go? Go left. morning. Welcome to Great Oaks. We are so glad you're here. We are in week four of five on a series called Losing Your Marbles, talking about pouring into the next generation. How do we pour our faith, share our faith into the next generation? And, and what a Sunday to be talking about that, graduation Sunday. Um, although it was a little challenging to prepare this sermon um, this week because I have my own, well, one of my kids will be up here next service. Um, he's a college grad, so he's still sleeping at home. Um, but my daughter will be graduating next year, and I had to do the math. If one ball represents one week from the time they're born until the time they're 18, my daughter is 17, and uh, I did the math. We have 36 more weeks, 36 more balls until she turns 18 in February. Here's a, a picture that just tugs on the heartstrings a little bit. Daddy-daughter dance in Germantown Hills years ago to a uh, college visit at, anybody want to guess? <laughs> there you go, all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a great college. Uh, Kevin, you should go visit. It's, it's awesome, especially since, especially since you work there. You should probably go visit, so that's really good. Um, Man, 36 weeks till she turns 18, about 52 until she stands on this stage um, as a high school graduate uh, next year. For some of you today is your final marble. Let's sink in for a minute. For some of you today, high school graduation symbolically represents the final marble in your parenting journey. As Kevin said, they're, they're moving on from here. Military, career, education, things like that. Please don't cry. Joy, come on, you're killing me. 
You're killing me. Here. I'm just kidding. And this isn't just for parents, though. As Jason has said through this whole series, you know, he reminds us that Fuller Youth Institute says that it takes five adults who aren't your parents, who aren't a kid's parents, to invest in them spiritually. And it's on us as parents, I don't know if you realize this, it's on us as parents to, pour, to identify those five and ask them to pour into our kids' lives. And so uh, if you're an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a retired person, just a friend of somebody who has kids, you could be one of those five. And so this series, Losing Your Marbles, is not just for us parents, it is for the whole church. I mean, it's true, it takes a village to raise a church. And so we are just glad you're here with us today. Let me pray, and then we'll get into our topic for the day. Father God, thank you so much for the years that we have with kids, whether they're our own or we get to be uh, big brothers and big sisters or second, second dads and second moms, second grandparents, you know, to these kids. Father, would you give us a vision for, for pouring our faith into the next generation? Would you give us a courage and a boldness to share our faith with them? And Father, speak through me today. Let the, the words that I say be yours, not mine. Let your spirit fill this space that we all know that we have been in your presence here today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love stories. Love stories. I love the, the, the classic idea of the storyteller sitting around the campfire, you know, weaving stories for their audience. I, I'm a storyteller by nature, oftentimes repeating the same stories over and over. Uh, my family and friends have gotten to the point where they can start finishing some of my stories. They know where I'm going before I even get there. I, I love the idea of, of modern-day storytellers. Uh, think about who those might be. There, there are poets. There are artists. There are musicians. our movie directors. Uh, there's a couple movies that, in my world, anytime they're on, even though I've seen them a million times, I will stop and watch them, and my wife ridicules me for it to no end. One of those is Remember the Titans. Anytime that movie is on, I'm stopping my life. It doesn't matter what was happening that day, I'm going to stop and watch Remember the Titans. In the hospital scene, every time I cry. I didn't know I was hating my brother. And Karen's like, seriously, you cry at that scene every time you watch that? I love the story. Shawshank Redemption is another one. Uh, you know, there's actually a term called the Shawshank Effect, and it illustrates this idea of there are certain movies, even though we've seen them an umpteenth number of times, that our world stops, all things stop, when these movies appear on our TVs. What are the stories that capture your attention? And I'm not talking about cat videos. Every day at lunch and at dinner, my wife has a few videos to show me. Um, I love my wife and I love our cats, but wow, I didn't know there's so many cat videos out there. I'm not talking about those stories. What are the stories that capture your attention? Think about them for a moment. They're, they're stories of good versus evil, of, of right versus wrong of justice being delivered, of somebody overcoming obstacles, of dramatic rescues. There's stories that break your heart, and there's stories that restore your hope in humanity. Have you ever stopped to think about the power of stories? It seems almost like God has, has hardwired us for stories. Uh, stories give us perspective. Uh, stories give us courage, hope. Stories compel us. Uh, they move us to imagine a world beyond ourselves. Luke Skywalker a galaxy far, far away. 
You know, I was born in the 70s, but I was too young to be standing in line when Star Wars first came out. But wow, you look at some of those, those lines from that day, it was amazing. It was a story that captivated people and drew them out of their present-day world into a galaxy far, far away, Frodo and Samwise. I stood in that line. I was ready for that one. It's a whole story about Middle Earth and about the power of friendship to overcome evil. In modern day, we have our Avengers, right? Our superheroes who, who protect and defend. Think about these stories and many others like them. They remind us of a few things. They remind us of the struggle between good and evil. They remind us of the existence of the supernatural and the miraculous. They remind us of the potential to be personally restored and transformed. They remind us that our lives are connected to a bigger story. Think about the Bible for a moment. The, the Bible is the story of God. It's God's interacting with us as mankind and with this world. And there is, I don't know if you've thought about this, but there's an overarching upper story of the Bible. I, I like to tell it in four parts. Uh, beginnings, obstacles, hope, and restoration. Beginnings, obstacles, hope, and restoration. Genesis to Revelation, that's the story of the Bible. But there's all these lower stories, smaller sub-stories, if you want to, that are under that overarching umbrella of the upper story. Stories like David and Goliath. A story of a young man risen out of obscurity to, to conquer the great warrior to become king. That is a captivating story. The story of, of Jonah running from God. Uh, being thrown overboard into the ocean and swallowed by a whale for three days. And I don't know if you thought about this, but that points us towards Jesus who died for three days. These lower stories are just amazing capturing of our imaginations. God uh, arriving in the flesh as a baby boy, born to a teenage girl, not in a castle, not as king, but born into obscurity. Think about the stories of Jesus' life. Think about how those capture your sights and your thoughts and your hearts and your minds. The stories of, of Jesus walking on water, of calming a storm, of feeding the 5,000, of, of healing the blind, the deaf, and the lame. I was at a spiritual retreat one time with about 35, 40 people, and at the end of 48 hours, we experienced communion together. And the person who was leading the retreat said, hey, for this time of communion, as we, we take the bread and the juice, very symbolic, right, connecting us to the story of God, as we take these, before we do, we're going to tell stories to each other. And they're going to be stories of Jesus. And, and I want you to, to tell this story as if you were there with Jesus in that moment. And so we began for about 30 minutes, just all of us telling stories. And, and he told us, like, tell them in the first person. And so we'd be like, oh, man. Do you remember that time we were with Jesus? And we were in the house, and it was, like, packed. It was hot and sweaty, but he'd been teaching for hours. And there were these four friends that, that knew a guy that was paralyzed, like one of their close friends. You remember this moment? Like, it was, I remember like it was yesterday. 
We, we were in there, Jesus was teaching, and they came up to the, the, the house, and it was overflowing with people. They couldn't get in, so what did they do? They went up on the roof, right? We didn't know they were there. We're just sitting there with Jesus, and all of a sudden, like, dirt and debris and stuff is, like, falling on us, right? We're like, what is happening? And Jesus, he's like, he doesn't care. He just keeps talking, right? And all of a sudden, there's, like, this gaping hole in the roof. Do you remember this? This was crazy, and these four guys lowered their friend on ropes on this mat down into the middle of Jesus' teaching. I couldn't believe it. Like the courage of these guys. And then Jesus looks at him and he goes, hey, your sins are forgiven. And we're all like, what? And his friends are like, uh, dude, that's not why we came. Like we came because we wanted him to walk. And Jesus is like, oh, I can do that too. So stand up and walk. Take your mat. Do you remember that? That was crazy. And for 30 minutes, we all just took turns telling stories. And then we took the bread, which represented Jesus' body broken for us, and the juice, which represented his blood spilled for us. And we felt the loss of our friend, Jesus, of our Savior, because we told stories about him. Think about the stories that Jesus told. The kingdom of God is like a merchant who found a pearl of great price. It's, it's like a man who purchased a field and, and found buried treasure. There once was a, a king who threw a great feast. There was a woman who one time lost a coin, a, a shepherd who lost a sheep, a father who lost a son. It's as if Jesus uses imagination so that we can imagine the unimaginable. Let me say that again. It's as if Jesus uses imagination so that we can imagine the unimaginable. Jesus knew that we couldn't fully grasp God. He knew that we couldn't wrap our heads around all that God was doing. Jesus knew that, that we'd never be able to imagine, truly understand and imagine eternity with God. And so he told stories. He told stories to help us understand, to get a glimpse into the work of God. He used stories. He used imagination so we can imagine the unimaginable. I remember as a kid, I loved Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I loved fantasy novels like that, Tolkien, Terry Brooks, Aslan, C.S. Lewis, all this stuff, right? And I remember reading these stories, and they just captured my heart and my attention. And then I became a Christian in college, and, and I was at a campus ministry Sunday morning, and our campus pastor was teaching, and he started talking about C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm like, oh, I'm dialing in. I love this story. And he's like, yeah, and like Jesus is, or Aslan is Jesus, like died on the altar and rose from the dead to conquer evil. And I was like, what? Why did nobody tell me this? But immediately I understood, I had this, this visceral reaction to what Jesus did for me. Because I remember as a middle school boy learning about Aslan and crying, sobbing when he was murdered. And then celebrating when he rose from the dead to conquer evil. And all of a sudden I got a glimpse in college of the power of a story to help me understand Jesus. So why are we talking about stories today? Losing your marbles, graduation Sunday. Because the stories we tell the next generation, they matter. The stories we tell them will, will shape their identity and their perspective. 
You know, the stories we tell the next generation will give them strength in times of weakness and hope in times of despair. And the stories we tell them will give them anchors for their souls. Look at me, with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6. For the Jews, this was a very well-known and famous passage, often repeated pretty much every day. It's called the Shema. We're going to start in chapter 6, verse 4. It says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today, they're to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your, on your city gates. And he goes on and he talks about uh, obedience and the rewards and the consequences. And if you fast forward a little bit to, to verse 20, it says, When your son asks you in the future, uh, what's the meaning of the decrees, the statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? It says, When your kids ask you why we do these things, God's response is tell stories, tell them about their history, tell them about what God has done. He says it like this. He says, we were, tell them we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and on all his household. But God was faithful. He brought us from, from there in order to lead us to here, to give us the land that he swore to our fathers. When your kids ask you why we follow God, tell stories. Tell them stories. We're hardwired for them. We, we live in a culture that's saturated with stories, and it's a powerful tool to, to share our faith. In fact, it was so powerful that the Jews began these annual festivals, and there were storytelling moments. Every year, they had the same festivals, and they, they told the same stories to remind them of who God was and what he had done for them. They had Passover, uh, which was everything in that meal was reminding them they were once slaves in Egypt. And that God passed over their firstborn sons. They had a festival called the Unleavened Bread. It was a reminder of their, their rapid escape from Egypt. When they couldn't even put yeast in bread, they didn't have time to let bread rise before they had to flee out into the wilderness away from Egypt. And they had the Festival of Tabernacles. Personally, my favorite because they just camped for a week, right? Um, they, they just set up shelters in, all over um, Jerusalem. And it was reminding them of the 40 years of, of wandering in the wilderness, the, the festivals were storytelling moments, and moments when they would go back to remind them about people God, of, remind the people about God's faithfulness throughout history, reminding them of the struggles they endured. What are some of the stories that you find yourself telling over and over in your family? You know, maybe they're they're not God stories, but they're just funny stories. In my family, we talk about how I was tied to a tree for three hours when I was in middle school. It's a true story. I had a really bad temper. Ask me about that later. <laughs> I like to talk about my daughter in seventh grade. Uh, she had a teacher over here at Germantown Hills, Dustin Bavard. And he really wanted to give students an opportunity to grow in their public speaking and their confidence. And so all throughout the school year, he had public speaking assignments. Some of you students were in here. You've had Mr. Bavard. And one of his first assignments was you had to come up with a walk-up song. And all the baseball players in the room were like, oh, yeah, I like that assignment, right? 
And, and Morgan was like worrying about her song. She couldn't figure out what song. It was supposed to be a song that described who you are. And uh, I suggested one to her, and she was a little nervous because it was a kid's song. It was, it was like cartoon kid's song. It was a little Einstein's theme song. We're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship, thrumming through, right? Except we did like the hip-hop trap version, not just the, the classic one. But Mr. Brevard, you know, it was Morgan's turn, and, and he's like, all right, next we have Morgan Genders, and he pressed play, and Morgan's heartbeat. She told me she was so nervous. She's like, I'm going to get ridiculed forever. This is the worst thing. Why does my dad do this to me? He pressed play, and the entire class started singing the song. And it gave her such a boost of confidence that she went up and she's like, I'm Morgan Genders. This is why I chose this song. She, had, she did her speech. And I go back to that year and I tell this story over and over and over because I want my daughter to remember that year. Because it was a year that she grew so much in her confidence. And I want her to never forget that she has that in her. I, I tell a story about my son also in seventh grade at this moment in this story. He was on the basketball team. The basketball team was, was doing amazing. We were going to make a, a deep run postseason. And we, we were playing sectionals. We won regionals. It was a tough battle. Uh, we were going to play sectionals. It was going to be here in Germantown Hills. Room was going to be packed. We canceled breakaway that night so everybody could go. Like, it was an amazing night. My son gets sick a day before. We take him to the doctor. He gets on a, an antibiotic. But he's not on it long enough to be able to play in the sectional game. It had to be 24 hours, right? And so we're coaching him through that. We're like, sorry, buddy, you can't play in this game. I know it's, it's hard. We go to the gym that night, though, because we wanted to stand in the crowd and cheer on the team. And as we're walking in, we arrive early everywhere we go. As we walked in, the principal met us. He's a friend of mine. And very apologetically, he said, Ethan, you can't be here tonight. And we're like, yeah, we know. Like, he's not playing. He's not dressing up. He's not sitting on the bench. He's going to sit in the stands with his friends. And the principal says, no, I'm, I'm really sorry. I wish this wasn't a rule. But you can't even be here as a spectator. I'm telling one of the, the basketball players, they can't stint, sit in the stands on a sectional championship night. My wife broke down in tears. Karen and Morgan went in. I left with Ethan. And since we didn't have breakaway here that night, we came over here and I set up a basketball hoop and we shot hoops for 45 minutes. And we talked about how sometimes your character, by living it out, will cost you. Because we had a lot of people telling us to lie. We were a lot of people telling us to just tell the school that he, he'd been on it for 24 plus hours. And we chose not to because I wanted my son to learn character. We talked about how uh, consequences and suffering and how do you handle disappointing times. It was a character-building moment for my son. It was a moment when I got to talk about how our faith can impact us in maybe some unexpected ways. I, I tell stories about my wife and I sitting with a marriage counselor 10 years into marriage and, and revealing some things in our marriage that were unhealthy and learning some new skills and traits I tell that story all the time, partly to remind myself, partly to help other young couples going through premarital counseling. The stories have power, and the stories we tell connect us to a bigger story. 
to God's story. I work for an organization, and we want to share Jesus with students. And this is our symbol. It's three circles. And at first, um, I used to think it was Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that's very Sunday school answer-ish, right? It's like the answer is Jesus, obviously. Um, but I learned just in the last three years that that's not what that stands for. Uh, the, the circle on the top is the circle of God's story. The one on the left is uh, our story as leaders. The bottom circle is a student's story. And our job is to help students grasp how their story can connect to our story and eventually can connect to God's story. It's a powerful way of sharing the gospel. We just tell stories. So if you want to make the most of the week, weeks that you have left with your kids, these marbles that we have left, tell stories. Tell stories about your own faith journey. Let them hear about how you discover God, how you are in an intimate relationship with God. Don't, don't hide that from them. Don't make it personal. Tell them about your faith journey. Talk about how you came to Jesus. We did a class recently at the youth center, and it was called Life as We Know It. And I had a volunteer, and she was uh, older. She's a grandmother, and she's like, I'm not sure that I can connect with kids, that they really want to hear what I've got to tell. And, and I'm like, oh, no, please. Like, <clears throat> they, they, they need your stories. And so we sat, and as we started talking about um, these obstacles, these challenges we face, and we started talking about Russia and Ukraine and, and the potential for nuclear holocaust. And, and as the students were just getting overwhelmed thinking through all of that, and then this, this leader started talking about being a teenager during Vietnam. And I started talking about being a teenager during the Cold War in the 80s. And you just see her story and my story and how we navigated that begin to impact these students. So tell stories of your, your faith journey. Tell stories of your, your failures and your difficult seasons. How your faith was impacted, for better or for worse, as a result of those moments in your life. I've talked to a lot of people about uh, the years, the couple of years of burnout that I went through and the challenges that I faced in that and how that impacted my faith, both for better or for worse. And then pay attention to the modern day storytellers and watch for the story of God. If you pay attention, you'll, you'll catch glimpses of the various plot lines found within the story of God, of good versus evil, of justice being delivered. People overcoming obstacles and stories that restore your hope. So let me close with a story. There once was a young boy named Harry. An unusual boy, marked by love for a specific destiny from birth. As he discovered his true identity and embraced his purpose, he grew in wisdom and strength. His closest friends followed him everywhere he went and joined him in facing grave opposition. But they couldn't always understand what Harry understood. And they couldn't follow him into the very final battle against an evil enemy. A, a battle where he entered into death itself and defeated it. Does that sound familiar? There once was a boy named Jesus... An unusual boy, marked by love for a specific destiny from birth. As he discovered his true identity and embraced his purpose, he grew in wisdom and strength. His closest friends followed him everywhere he went and 
joined him in facing grave opposition. But they couldn't always understand what Jesus understood. And they couldn't follow him into the very final battle against an evil enemy. A battle where he entered into death itself and defeated it. Watch for the story of God. It's everywhere. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for how you have created us to respond to stories. How you've responded us to to sense you in some of these stories. Father, give us eyes to see you at work in this world through the storytellers. And give us the courage to be storytellers ourselves, particularly uh, with the next generation. Whether they're ours or whether they're, they're surrogate kids that we get to come alongside, be one of those five. But Father, give us boldness to speak openly about our faith, the joys and the struggles. And as a result, to draw kids, the next generation, into an abiding relationship with you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.